even if you have the best connections in the world, that's not going to make someone write a story about a company that doesn't have an engaging story. You have to find a way to tell the story in a way that's engaging, in a way that's relevant for the publication you want to be in and tailor it, tailor it to the writer, tailor it to the publication, make sure, you know, anyone that's doing PR, that's working in comms, you have goals, you have needs. A writer has those goals and needs as well. They're different. So you have to make sure that whatever you're trying to pitch to them is aligned with what what they're trying to achieve as well. Welcome to 20 Minute Leaders. Just sit back, relax and learn from the leaders of today. It's a journey. Each one is different, unique, inspiring. Let's get started. This episode is powered by JVentures, a community-driven VC fund in Silicon Valley in partnership with Leumi Tech, sponsored by Hippo Insurance, Opwest Labs, Turing, Hillel at Stanford, Leap, and in media partnership with C-Tech. Corporate communication, PR, it's kind of a black box for a lot of people in the tech industry. Today, I'm going to try to understand it a little bit better. Meet Danielle Blumenstick-Peterman, Head of Corporate Communications at AppsFlyer. Danielle is the Head of Corporate Communications at B2B SaaS Unicorn AppsFlyer. A seasoned comms pro, Danielle has spent the past 10 years helping brands shine, working with leading tech companies and organizations to perfectly craft and effectively communicate their messages. Prior to AppsFlyer, Danielle spent several years honing her comms craft at a tech-focused PR agency. Before devoting her life to tech, she started her career managing PR and investor relations for nonprofit organizations and higher education institutions. Danielle Blumenstick-Peterman, how are you? I am great, Michael. Thank you. Welcome to 20 Minute Leaders. I'm especially excited for this episode because a lot of the times I talk to a lot of really techie people, really about their tech. And, and what I'm excited now is to you know, move on to a different part of the ecosystem, which is just as important, which is how you know, information gets, you know, shared from companies to the outside world. Uh, you have extensive experience both in spokesperson arrangements, the assistant to the spokesperson at the IDC, director of media relations at the University of the People, uh, PR supervisor at Blonde 2.0, and today head of corporate communications for AppsFlyer. And uh, so it, it sounds like a fascinating journey all around, moving from these different endeavors from, you know, un- academic institutions to PR agency now to an, an incredible hypergrowth company in Israel. But I'll let you tell me a little bit from your perspective, how, how do you see your own journey in the communications space? So I think that's an interesting question. Um, I got to communications very randomly. I did study communications and international relations at university, so it seemed like a natural step. But uh, when I first graduated my bachelor's degree, I thought I was going to save the world. So I really thought that I would be working in peace education. That was something I was very passionate about, and I thought that would be my career. Um, and then very early on, I was working uh, for a nonprofit organization called Peace Now, and I kind of got acquainted with the entire world of uh, PR, communications, working with press, working on messaging, uh, and I fell in love. And it was really kind of, I didn't even think of that as a possible career path. I was like, oh, this is something people do for a living? That's awesome. So, um, and then I basically started kind of like growing into that. I managed to get, when I got into the master's program at IDC, I was able to get a position, a student's position there as the assistant to the spokesperson. Um, she was an incredible mentor, taught me a lot that I didn't know about the industry. And that kind of led the way into the position at University of the People, which is an incredible uh, not-for-profit university, completely online for people to be able to have access to higher education. And 
slowly but surely, I also learned, you know, Israel, startup nation, everything at the end of the day comes back to tech. That's how I came to know Blonde 2.0. I was very lucky to join there um, first as a junior PR person, because even though I did have experience in PR, it was all very focused on education, on nonprofits, on that world. And tech is an entirely different way of thinking. So that was really interesting. And I, that was the best school I ever had, better than any of the, of the degrees that I have, which I say are great ornaments, but they don't really serve much function. Um, and that's how I got here. Started AppSwire. I've been here almost four years now. Started, uh, started at the bottom and now I'm on top, as they say. Um, but I didn't really <laughs> start at the bottom. There's no, there's no bottom at AppSwire. Um, I love so, that. <laughs> yeah. So I started here. I actually got here not in a comms position. I was in a place in my career where I thought that I would need to learn a little bit more about marketing. All I've been ever doing is comms. So I came here for a content marketing manager position. And very quickly, I kind of learned that um, my love is with comms and I missed it so much. And I was very lucky there was an open position for a communications manager that they actually had open in San Francisco. But at the same time as I was having second thoughts about, oh, maybe communications is where my desires truly lie. Um, I was very fortunate. Our CMO, Ron Avrahami, came up to me and he said, I think you should take that comms position and do it here. So it was kind of like a sign from the gods. And that's how my comms career continued. I thought it was going to take a little hiatus, but it just kept on going. And it's been a, a train only going up, roller coaster only going it. up. So it's been really good. So I'll get to Apps Flyer in a second, but first uh, I, I saw one of your pieces on LinkedIn about PR agencies and and some <laughs> of the you know not not misconceptions but some of the struggles and challenges that uh, the industry may have with PR agencies you know what they represent what they actually do and the and the you know the displacement and in, in, in you know th from theory to practice what what is it in your eyes about PR agencies why why are they a part of the ecosystem and, and how should we as you know, perhaps, you know, tech founders or entrepreneurs think about PR agencies? Agencies get a bad rep because a lot of times it's this feeling that they're trying to, a lot of people have a conception that they're trying to screw you over somehow. They're trying to take your money and not do good work. Um, and I think that's something that happens when people have a bad experience with a bad vendor or they hear about a bad experience and then that becomes kind of like the discussion that goes on and CMOs and CEOs love saying, oh, I hate PR agencies. They're the worst. And I think that's really just a huge misconception because if you find the right partner, a PR, PR agency can take you to the stars. Truly. It's all about several things it's about setting the right goals. It's about making sure that the goals are feasible because a startup that's just started that has maybe a founder and two employees, no money raised yet, and no interesting story to tell isn't going to get on the Wall Street Journal. Everything has to be, the expectations have to be set up in a, in a way that's kind of like makes sense. Um, goals have to be set in a way that makes sense. And also what I think is super important is talk to the people in the, in the ecosystem. This is true for any tech ecosystem, but especially here in Israel where it's so, so small, people can re you can very easily find references and find out if people in your industry, in your scale, have been able to get good results with that partner. So talking to people is the number one thing. Um, and the results you can get are incredible because if you have a, a good PR agency that's like hand in hand with you in the trenches, thinking about good ideas, pushing you to do better, pushing you to tell your story better, 
you could really get results that are incredible and you can get results that would be very hard for you to get on your own, which is true for any size company. A lot of people sometimes think I'm too small to start doing PR. I'm going to wait until I have a lot of money, a lot of employees, something like that. But sometimes you need that partner to get there. And sometimes you can get, um, you can work with a PR agency for a fee that works for you and works for your goals and helps get your name out there, helps get your brand out there. So you can get more investors, more employees, more visibility. It's a, it's a chicken right. and egg game. You can't just one day start doing PR. You have to work on it from the beginning. I was just about to, uh, I was just about to give that metaphor, but the, you know, I'm looking, so what I'm hearing from you is that the part of the secret sauce is here is the engagement of the PR agency. It's not just an executor that has connections in, in the various magazines and whatever, but it's also somebody who really understands your story, understands the, you know, journalism ecosystem, and then does that integration, how to modify or translate your story into their language. And that is where the magic happens, right? A hundred percent. Connections aren't enough. And there's a lot of discussion about that in the professional communications agencies. Even if you have the best connections in the world, that's not going to make someone write a story about a company that doesn't have an engaging story. You have to find a way to tell the story in a way that's engaging, in a way that's relevant for the publication you want to be in and tailor it, tailor it to the writer, tailor it to the publication, make sure, you know, anyone that's doing PR, that's working in comms, you have goals, you have needs. A writer has those goals and needs as well. They're different. So you have to make sure that whatever you're trying to pitch to them is aligned with what, what they're trying to achieve as well. As long as it's a collaboration, both sides can benefit. That's a great way to, you know, get the best results all around. Right. So now that you were transitioning more to AppsFlyer, and now you're, you're head of, of corporate communications for AppsFlyer, what does that actually mean? The head of corporate communication, what, is, what does that work? We have a very interesting uh, structure here at AppsFlyer. When I first started AppsFlyer, we were doing all communications globally here from our headquarters in Israel which was very interesting, but also very, very difficult. Um, it's incredibly challenging to do communications for, for example, uh, China, the greater China region, for APAC, for the many, many markets we serve in Europe, for the US from here. It's doable and we did it well for a very long time, but it's not scalable. At the end of the day, if you want to be a truly global company, localization is key. And having those people that understand the local markets better um, who can kind of go the extra mile to understand the customers, right. to, to tailor, say it ties into what I was saying before, tailor everything to the right reporters to make those good connections. They are important. They're not enough, but they are important. Um, we didn't have that. And we kind of grew that two years ago. So basically we shifted from a, from a communications organization that was two people in Israel to a communications organization that is now six people globally, six going on seven people globally. Um, and we have regional communications managers in North America, CPAC, and EMEA, who kind of do the, that regional work in their regions, growing everything that we're doing in those markets. So what does corporate communications do? Anything that's global, anything that has to do with our global messaging, um, global announcements about new products, new content that we're putting out, uh, making sure that our messaging is aligned across markets, making sure that we give the regions a lot of material to work with so that they can then take that to the next level and make sure that everyone in the, that, that they can serve the needs of their region accordingly. So they tweak things, 
you know, some people think about localization and think about language. It's a lot more than language. It's language, it's culture, it's taking everything to the next level. It's making sure that your region is getting everything that it needs and make sure that it knows also what to ask for from us in corporate so we can kind of serve them and give them more of what they need to get better results all around. And it's increased our results incredibly. I mean, we we thought we were doing well. And then now that we've been having our regional communications managers, we know that we're doing a lot better than we were in the past. And how do you actually measure that? How do you decide on, you know, what is a good KPI for, for communications? How, how, how do we know that we're actually doing a good job? And how do we know, you know, where we could potentially get to? Because, you know, when I'm building a product, I can say, well, I have X users and I want to get to Y users. And so that's, you know, that's the, my, my mode of improvement. How, do, how can you think through that mode of improvement in your world? It's not easy. And I can tell you that's something that communications uh, professionals are struggling with globally, both in tech and uh, outside of tech. But in tech, we're so used to measuring everything that it's like, oh, brand, how do I measure the impact of my brand? It's like, you know, dust in the wind. How do I know how much of it I have? (laughs) So we're actually trying something new this year, which is still a little bit in the experiment phase. But we created this thing we called our we call our brand score which has a bunch of different metrics. Um, Some of them have to do with website visits. Some of them have to do with social media engagement. Some of them have to do with press coverage. Um, And we created this, um, it's currently an Excel sheet that has all kinds of BI and analysts helping us make it into voodoo magic that turns it into actual numbers. Um, But we've been trying it out for, I think this is the fifth quarter now to see if we're able to accurately measure things. And it's interesting because we see, we did a couple of things. We defined specific metrics, so I can't get into all of it, but in social media, for example, we wanted to see the growth on our LinkedIn. We chose that specific channel on social media to measure growth and engagement. Um, For press coverage, we defined specific top tier publications in specific markets, and we decided that those are the ones we're measuring. We don't care about general coverage. We care about these between 10 to 20, depending on the market publications. We want to see how we're doing um, and how we're doing in comparison to our competitors. So that's what we're measuring. Um, And it's very interesting to see because that also helps focus. Once we better define measurement, we know what we want to focus on. We know where we're focusing our efforts. Um, it's been very helpful and it's really interesting and it's something that um, it's the the organization is really kind of looking to hear from us quarter over quarter like what are we seeing in the brand score what's changed how is it improving and also a lot of my peers in the communications world are are eager to hear more about what we're seeing in this measurement so it's a little early for me to say if it's 100 percent working but it is very interesting and it definitely helped focus us which is something that's exciting for me you mentioned focus about three times now, and I was just about to to allude to that because what it sounds to me from what you're saying is that, you know, there's a lot of, there's a, in communications or in branding, you know, you could have a lot of different publications publishing, you can do a lot of noise on social media, but at the end, what it sounds like is that there are these few high value events that happen to a brand and then a really long tail of really small events that don't really amount to much uh, or don't really get the, the communication out to, to the right people. And, I, and you know, as a you know, young entrepreneur, I can see, okay, somebody has gotten five you know, mediocre publications that people don't necessarily really follow, and they're doing a really great job on PR. But maybe you know, from your perspective, you say, yes, but are we actually understanding the impact that they're bringing? And perhaps one big account or one big event trumps all those five, and that's where our focus should be, right? Yeah, exactly. So that's one of the things that we've really been trying to focus on, because 
I can tell you from our perspective, we've been seeing um, there are certain cover publications where it's easier for us to get into, but we weren't necessarily getting the right eyeballs on them. Um, at the end of the day, it, it's 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 the same thing as as everywhere: quality over quantity. And you just have to right. not be tempted by the quantity and focus on the quality because the quality doesn't matter how good it looks. And you know, it's very and that's another thing that sometimes why people don't like PR agencies because it's easy to kind of show, look at all the coverage. And it's like, I don't care about all this coverage. If it's 25,000 mentions and websites that nobody reads, that's not helpful for me. But three mentions and publications that all of my customers are reading every day, beautiful magic. So <laughs> it's, it's, it's hard because it's hard as a, as a marketing person to, to focus on quality over quantity when everybody wants to see metrics, everybody wants to see growth. But when you educate both internally and externally, always quality over quantity and to measure the quality um it helps it helps it, again sorry to repeat myself but it helps focus both me and my team and also you know uh leadership as well right and so you, you've gotten to work in a broad spectrum of of you know industries and types of communications and mediums of communication what what it then what, what really excites you what really gets you going about, you know, either your day-to-day -day right now or in general about your place in the ecosystem that we have around us? So this is a really fascinating time, actually, in, uh, in the marketing measurement and marketing technology ecosystem because there are a lot of changes going on. There's a lot of kind of new um, regulations when it comes to privacy, and that's something it's funny, we were just talking about it the other day in the communications team. Things that scare other people are super exciting to communications people because it's a very exciting challenge to get to educate a market, to get to tell a story that's interesting because it's different. It's not what everybody's saying. You're telling a different story. You're helping to kind of lead people in the right direction. Um, and it's very hard and it's very intense. And especially in a time of constant changes, it's something that um, you know, can be a little overwhelming at times because it's a little bit around the clock, but it's so fun. <laughs> it's just so fun to be in the thick of it, to be like, there's exciting changes happening. And we are the people that have to explain to the market what's happening. We're the ones that have to make sure that the messaging is on point, that people get what we want to say, that we're saying the right things to the right people at the right time, that, you know, if there's a massive change happening in the market, then we're able to react to it in a way that makes us part of the news cycle. Like all of that is very, very stressful to some people, but for communications people, we thrive on it. It's just like, oh, best day ever. I worked a 12-hour day and it felt like two hours went by like that. It's like, ah, oh, amazing. I love it. Danielle, thank you so much for coming here. I really agree. I had a great time. Uh, three short questions. Are you ready? Yes. Okay. Favorite subject in school? K to 12. In English. Okay. <laughs> I see the connection. Yeah. Uh, one, one of your role models or somebody that you, you look up to, you get inspired by? My mother. Yeah. My mother is uh, a very, very strong career woman with a very strong track record. If people Google my first last name, then you'll find her. She works for a small company called Microsoft. You might've heard of it. <laughs> Wonderful. And uh, last question, three words that you would use to describe yourself. Strong, ambitious, and weird. Strong, ambitious, and weird. I love that. Why, why the weird part? Tell me a little bit about that. 
I think everyone worth talking to is a little weird. People that are normal are a little boring. And I'm and and it's just like I I get that feedback from a lot of people from friends from my husband from my family. I think I'm weird, but in a good way. I'm weird in a way that keeps me interesting. That people are like, "Huh, okay." <laughs> so I kind of I like that. I think that's something that sets me apart. It's something that people, um, you know, I, I I at least it seems find a little bit entertaining, but not in a way that they're laughing uh, at me, but they're laughing with me. So that's like a good thing I think I have going for me. Right. We don't have much time, but I do. I do want to ask one more question that I wanted to ask before. If you were to go back to your time with Stand with Us as an intern, mm-hmm. would you? Would this be the career that you would expect yourself to be at, or this trajectory, or or are you surprised by it? I would probably be surprised by it. When I was interning for Stand with Us, I still thought I thought that the way in which I would change the world was very specific. And I think what I learned is that there are a lot of ways to change the world. And as long as you're making a positive impact and you put passion into what you do, it sounds cheesy, but it's true. Having a positive impact on people is how you change the world. Um, so I'm not uh, maybe like actively working towards world peace and all that stuff that I thought I was going to be doing when I was younger. But changing the world, doing good, important work and doing it while making people happy and making them smile. small steps daniel thank you so so much and thank you for coming here stay safe and stay healthy and best of luck with everything you're doing with apps flyer it looks amazing thank you michael it's been a pleasure bye-bye bye